This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk, back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, show in which I'm joined by a guest to have a chat about all the latest Arsenal happenings. To do so, I'm joined by Sophie from the Highbury Squad. How are you doing, Sophie? You well? I'm doing very well, Tom. How are you doing this fine Wednesday? Happy hump yeah, day. Fine. There's no, there's no fine Wednesdays. Wednesday's the most boring day. I just, they're just, they're just not nice. Hmm, I just don't really? like it. Yeah, I don't. I, to be fair, I always thought that Tuesday was the worst day of the week. Um, Monday feels fresh, uh, and then by Tuesday you're like, ah, oh, yes, it's just, it's just the worst Monday. But Wednesday's like, you're a little bit closer to the weekend. But yeah, especially now we're out of European competition, it makes. Wednesday's even trickier to navigate, I, I find. I, I think that's the reason why. It kind of started mm. off, you know, missing out on Champions League and now we don't even have the Europa League. But Wednesday's hump day, mm. right? Sure. So, you know, there's that middle of the week and you can feel like you're getting to the weekend. Tuesday's a non-plus day. I agree with you there. Um, mm. Here in the States, Monday's always good because you've got Monday night football. You've got a game in the Premier mm. League as well. So yeah, well, listen. Happy Wednesday, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I find I find now, no, I'm obviously I work a lot of weekends, so I don't even get that side of things. So yeah, so there's there's always that's the weeks I've been from when I was a teacher. It was always just looking ahead. That's one of the reasons I quit because as a teacher, all you do is spend your entire <laughs> week waiting for the weekend, wishing your life away. So yeah, thankfully I don't do that anymore. But mm. uh, no, the reason so far I wanted to get you on because obviously after the Liverpool game, me and you had kind of a difference of of opinion about like where we sat uh, in regard regards to the fixture and obviously how we performed and how that might affect us and obviously I always enjoy when we have a difference of opinion because it gives mm-hmm. us something to talk about so just kind of give me how you kind of reacted and how you felt about that that display and, and how you felt after the game yeah I mean I know how you f- I know how you know that sometimes you know having the platforms that we do your comments can be misunderstood or misconstrued in some way And it's not the fact that we lost to Liverpool, who I think, along with Chelsea, are arguably the two best teams in Europe right now. They're just playing on another level, being managed by managers on a totally different, you know, tactical laying plane. And they have players in most positions that are world class. And they have 
you know, especially with Chelsea, and I think City to some point can bring on players, you know, who who um, who, who are like for like. So I just was disappointed that we lost in the manner in which we did, because I feel like there's you can look at it through different glasses, right? Yes, did everyone expect us to lose to Liverpool? I actually didn't. I actually felt that with the trajectory that the Arsenal Football Club have right now, with the belief, the confidence, the level of, um, I don't know, how Arteta's kind of evolved as a manager a little bit, the DNA and culture in the new signing of players, i.e. the mental strength in Ramsdale, the the strength in Tomiyasu, the evolution of Ben White, even Nuno, despite making mistakes in that game, kept putting himself back out there, taking risks, those types of players, I thought, you know what, this is going to be one of the best fights we've seen in a long time to try and combat Liverpool and maybe get a point, right? So for me, it was the capitulation in the second half just took me back to a place where I was reminded of that even though we have these new players and we have this new mental stability and we have this new kind of DNA and culture, we reverted back to the same Arsenal. Mm. And that was the part for me where I felt slighted as a fan, Tom. I wanted to see a little bit more. I felt like Aaron Ramsdale was like in a scene of Game of Thrones, Jon Snow, the battle of the, I know I can't <laughs> say it on your, on your channel, the word, but... I felt like that was him in the second half. And I'm like, mm. where is everybody else? And I understand how tricky and difficult it was without the creativity. There was not much Aubameyang and Lacazette could do, but they didn't impose themselves from a seniority point of view in the game. Once again, we're relying on the younger players. But with that said, we've lauded this team for the growth and how they've evolved. And so going to Anfield is always going to be difficult but I just expected a little bit more fight. Mm. That's why I was disappointed with the results. I thought that when you see Brighton get a point, you see Brentford get a point, and you see West Ham beat Liverpool, and I know they're isolated games and we can't compare them, but at the same time, we can compare results and say, okay, they didn't get bitch slapped, but we did. <laughs> oh, so I didn't say the other word, but I said that. No, word, no, that's so fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Um, the, the, the argument around kind of the, the Brentford and the Brighton and the West Ham things, like, I think you can compare them. I, I think it's just important that you that we obviously apply context. Like with this game, like Liverpool was so much better in this match than Liverpool were against West Ham and were against Brighton. And it wasn't to do necessarily especially in the Brentford and Brighton games with the way that the opposition played. West Ham played exceptionally in their game against Liverpool and, you know, they had a real impact on the way that Liverpool played. Brighton got, how I felt, very, very fortunate at Anfield. They could have been easily three or four down at half-time and, and Liverpool just didn't turn the screw on them like mm -hmm. they did on us in the second half. Uh, and the Brentford game was just chaos. Like, it was absolute chaos. And defensively, Arsenal weren't able... Well, offensively, Arsenal weren't able to get out Liverpool's defence because of how much their midfield controlled things. Thiago had arguably the best game he's had in a Liverpool shirt since moving there from Bayern Munich. He was like a metronome in the middle. He was brilliant. Um, what I thought about the match was that Arsenal have struggled to create 
pretty much through most of Arteta's tenure. Um, he's kind of sacrificed the offensive fluidity that Arsenal were known for to try and, first of all, improve us defensively. Mm-hmm. And because he's added so many young players to the team, I mean, quite rightly, we needed to lower the average age of the group. But a lot of those young players are starting um, and there are very few senior figures in the starting 11 now, most of it, the average age is 23, 24 for the entire side. And especially it was with Tavares and Lekonga starting on, on Saturday. So when you've got that dynamic, when we eventually do concede after having such a strong defensive record against a side like Liverpool, and then Nuno Tavares makes that ridiculous pass, which should, should have been a much better pass out to Lekonga, um, their heads just went. Like they got absolutely went. And I don't think, mm. I don't think at that point there's, there's too much I could have been critical about. Um, I was kind of understanding of them being a group of youngsters that has just went. If the, And the criticism for me doesn't necessarily go towards the coach there. It goes towards, say, the likes of Partey and Abamyang and those senior figures on the field for not grabbing those kids and saying, look, you've got to pull this together because it's not good enough. Um, and I'm not sure what beyond that we could have really done to arrest the the momentum in do, Liverpool's favour. Do you think the the mental went then, or do you think it was also it was the first goal? Really? Yeah, I mean, mm. it it was. We were in a lot of the game in the first half, but I also mm. think it was like one of those moments where you're at the bar and you're talking to the hot chick or the hot guy, and you think you're in, but I really, wish I knew what that was just... like. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're in a relationship for nine years <laughs> I can't say one, I don't know that I've been in one for 17 years so it's a, I'm having to go way back in my rear view mirror here Tom but you know you think you're in and they're just waiting for something hotter to come along at some point in the night mm. and that's how I felt about the first half I thought Liverpool I toyed with if I was in those moments that's how it would have gone so yes <laughs> I can I can be I can be there in the moment God. I just think Liverpool had our number from the beginning and so I ask you this you mentioned that we lost our heads after the Nuno giveaway and by the way that was bound to happen with a young team a mistake at some point that was costly and mm. I don't want to kill any of those players at all But one of the things I thought was glaring for me, and I know some people think, and I've read someone saying it's a silly, you know, opinion or whatever it is. I think that Arteta's spat on the sideline with Jurgen Klopp also Mm. helped galvanize Anfield, Klopp Mm -hmm. and the players. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, and I don't think people are looking at it from the right side of the narrative in that this is an ex-Evertonian. This is an ex-Everton captain. So there's, Already a built-in, um, mm. I say, hatred Velocity. exactly towards him. So then when you pile on kind of what he did, okay, I loved the passion. I loved seeing Arteta, mm. you know, not get bullied by a manager on the sideline. But at some point, the whole hold me back, hold me back, handbags at dawn <laughs> kind of took it a little bit too far. And I thought after that, you have a young team. You've got Sambi, you've got Nuno, you've got Saka, you've got Emil Smith-Rowe. A, a team is the image of their manager. A team plays in the image of their manager. And I think after that, we got a little bit lost in the moment. I'm not saying that's the mm. reason why we lost, but again, more lessons to learn. So I'm not Arteta out. I'm not saying, <laughs> oh, we lost to Liverpool and the sky's falling. I actually did a show the other night, Tom, saying, is it okay? 
And the whole thing was, is it okay to criticize Arteta on a game-by-game basis? Is it okay to be disappointed Mm. that we've lost to Liverpool when we're trying to evolve as a team and as a group and build ourselves up and actually be a little bit more competitive? Is it okay Mm. to think, yes, it's great to beat Liverpool in a Community Shield final, but it's in the Premier League where the Arsenal are going to be judged in their progression? So... That's kind of my my take on it. It's a little bit of, I thought we were moving in a non-getting absolutely, mm. you know, annihilated by an opponent <laughs> versus what the narrative is. If- yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I mean, I, like you, didn't go into that game thinking that was going to happen at all. Um I, I predicted a Liverpool win. Um, mm. I didn't. I didn't because I just thought that their their overall quality would just outmatch us. And I th- I did think if we conceded, that the, the young minds would would break and and that kind of momentum that's been built up and they've not really been this team haven't been humbled because the Man City game was full of completely different players that game and we dramatically mm-hmm. have changed most of the personnel in this side. So the same when, result. Yeah, I mean it's the same result. But same feel... same t- same type of absolutely thrashed mm. in every way, shape, and form, mm. Mm. and yet in against City in the cups, yeah, we can do bits. It's the Premier it's League weird, mentality. It? it is that, that league mentality, yeah. Yes, and I I feel like it's a cultural thing that we don't feel like we deserve it yet, but mm. and I, and and I take that when I look at things personally, professionally. You know, okay, so I'm working on this film, I'm doing this, but wow, should I, I'm here, but wow, how am I going to handle this? And I think that's fair to say with a young team, you go through those elations and those moments where you absolutely thrash your North London rival. I don't care what anybody says, whether Mm. you're in League Two or the Premier League and you beat Tottenham, it's a phenomenal result. Then you, you, you kind of go against an Aston Villa team who have been lauded uh, for the last, what, 19 months. And everyone keeps talking about them and their their prowess. And then you go on and beat Leicester, who are the darlings of the Premier League. So you feel like you're on this trajectory. And then you have that bottom-out moment again against Liverpool. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road for me. At some point in the league outside of cup competition where it's a a sole focus on one game, Tom, and you're trying to build a reputation, a a team, an identity over 38 games, I think that's the part for me where I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't put up more of a fight in that second half and we we kind of folded and our senior players again went missing when we're relying on younger players to bring us out of that hole. Do you think that say, because you, I do think that the games were different, like City and, and Liverpool. I know that the result and, and the thrashing was, it was there in both games. But I think that I look at the team that played City and I go, we could play that game 10 times uh, and that same result would happen. I look at the team that and the performance of the in in the Liverpool game, and I feel like if we play that game ten times, we don't. That result doesn't happen. That scoreline doesn't happen ten times. I, I, I do see a difference in in the performance in the personnel, and I do feel like there would be there would be differences. And I feel like in say a year's time, when we either when these guys are a year older and a year more vetted, and we maybe have added a couple more players, that I think we're in a far more I'm far more confident 
that we'll be able to go to Anfield in a better frame of mind with a more of a confidence to get a result than, say, straight after that City game. I, I thought we were a decade away from ever going to the Etihad and, and getting anything from, from those types of games. I do feel like these last 10 games prior to the Liverpool fixture have shown that there is kind there is there's something moving forwards. There's progression. It's just the level of progression. We, we're not a hundred percent sure on on how fast that is. And I think there's also the aspect of where we are in the table and how kind of close we are to say fourth place, which is three points, but also how close we are to say eighth or ninth place is still also very small. That those fine margins and those few points separate you from pure hope and optimism to if you say lose against Newcastle and the teams around you win, you're suddenly in eighth position and the world is falling apart around you. So it's fragile, isn't it? How kind of we are and how we are situated it, right now as a club. It, it is. But with that same token, at some point we have to take the training wheels off, right? The bike. You, you, what are the training wheels? What are the they? Tra- the, the training wheels are Arteta comes in in his first season, takes on Emery's team mm. and wins an FA Cup. Yeah. And we we did exactly the same thing we did in 2017 with Arteta. And we are able to find a way to beat those teams. It's that one-off playoff game where you mm. absolutely put everything on the line. And what Arsenal Football Club don't do is translate that into every single Premier League game. Yeah. So we did the double over Chelsea. We beat Manchester United last season. You know, we haven't been able to crack the Manchester City code. It's been tough with Liverpool at Anfield. But at some point, we have to stop this enabling and say, okay, how are you going to translate what you're doing there? How you beat Pep twice in an FA Cup semi-final? How you beat Chelsea twice in a in a final? Then how do you lose so gloriously to mm. Manchester City in the League Cup final? Those are the moments, those are the things that I think now we as a, as a fan base and as, as a club have to start asking bigger questions in terms of when is that going to translate to the Premier League? Now, you could say, OK, look, we lost against one of the best sides in Europe, one of the best managers in the world. We're, we're fifth. And that's fine. And that's all well and good. But at the same time, the competitiveness of what we illustrate in those cup games, I think needs to be translated to the Premier League. Mm. And I'm not seeing that against certain clubs. And I know this is a young team and they're just coming together, but this has been the culture of our club for many, many years, even from Wenger to Emery to Mikel Arteta. Mm. But if you, Mikel Arteta, can galvanise this team to go on and, and win a trophy and win the FA Cup, What's the disconnect with the consistency and that mental attitude in in the Premier League game after game after game over a longer period of time? We went to Stamford Bridge and we won. And we went to the Old Traffords and we won both of those games, 1-0 wins. Do you, do you think that there's something different about Arteta based upon the evidence that we can go to these top six sides away from home and get a result? Um in, that's different to say Emery who couldn't do it and and Wenger in his latter years that, that couldn't do it. That, I mean, that gives me more confidence. It gives me the evidence and that was prior to us bringing in the players that we've added this season that there are going to be moments, especially when we've got the opportunity to go to Old Trafford in a week tomorrow 
and also do it again. I've got confidence that we can go to Old Trafford and, and win with this group of players under this manager because of the evidence of, of doing it before and, and doing it at Stamford Bridge as well. Well, yes, and also Manchester United are a far weaker team than Chelsea. They're mm. going through a transitional period. They have their own problems. You could argue their problems are far greater than ours right now. They've lost their identity as a club, a little bit like... The two greats of the Premier League, right? They've lost their DNA culture, their identity, and they're having to reinvent themselves after having two legendary managers at the helm for many, many years. That takes a lot of work to rebuild and overcome. It doesn't happen overnight. Look how many managers they've been through. I've always said too, you know, we've had Unaya, we had Freddie step in, we've got Arteta. Who's to say that it might not stop there? in terms of us finding our longer-term manager. Hopefully it will be with him and he does succeed because if he succeeds as fans, you know, we're super happy, but those transitions are not easy. City are used to the revolving door. Well, they were. Pep stayed longer than he has at any other club other than Barcelona right now. Chelsea have a revolving door mentality and it's worked for them. That's their culture. Mm. That's their DNA. They can turn it on season in, season out, regardless who's at the helm. And I think at some point, you you do have to start getting more results against the bigger teams in the league in order for Arteta to garner that respect, not only from Arsenal fans, but also from opposition. And I know people are talking about, you know, why can't you understand the differences in Brighton and West Ham? Just stop. We're Arsenal Football Club. When you've stayed at the Four Seasons, it's very hard to, like, put yourself <laughs> up at the roadside motel. And so the expectations are higher. West Ham didn't get trounced. They didn't get embarrassed. Neither did Brighton and neither did Brentford. And, and I, Brentford. and I understand those teams are different. Their, their players, their DNA, everything is different, Tom. But hmm. again, I'll go back to we folded like a cheap lawn chair on Brighton Pier, maybe, against Liverpool in that second half. And that's the part of the Arsenal I want to stop happening. I don't expect us to thrash Liverpool or beat Liverpool or dominate City or Liverpool in the league or Mm. Chelsea. But I expect a little bit more from now the evolution of Arteta and what we should be doing more so in games against these bigger teams. Bigger teams. Yeah. I say that with it tastes like vinegar because I feel like we're a big team, but we're not a good Premier League team well, we are, right yeah, now. We are a big team. It's just mm-hmm. obviously in the present day, we're just it's just not it's not the same as it was. I I I personally, from my perspective, I really struggle with the um the, the argument of like we are Arsenal Football Club. Like it's something I've struggled with for quite a while because I, I I contextually look at where those clubs are, Chelsea City and United, Liverpool, the money that they've spent, the the, rate, the ability, as you pointed out, to change manager so freely. Liverpool less so because they've Liverpool are a really good example actually because they have that self-sustaining model. They sell really, really well. They buy really, really well. They appointed really, really well with with Jurgen Klopp and they've gradually built themselves up. Um, there's a big difference between Klopp taking over and Arteta taking over. Klopp had the experience. He'd, he'd got to a Champions League final with Borussia Dortmund. He'd won titles there. 
Um, whereas Arteta came in, of course, completely fresh um, and with no prior experience. There's nothing. There's nothing for for someone to say who's supporting him to fall back on. There's nothing. There's nothing there for me to say. Well, he did this prior, and we could talk about so he won the FA Cup by beating Chelsea and City. But from a league perspective, it's two back-to-back eighth-place finishes, which is very hard to use as kind of evidence as why he sh- why he can achieve something. And it is with Arteta. If we're being a hundred percent honest, it is pure faith uh, than it is tangible evidence with him. The evidence that we have to suggest that Arteta can progress this team forwards are in small doses and they are based off of the 10-game unbeaten run that we had this year. They are based off of the EFA Cup run that led us to that title and they are based off of the end of last season where we went on that run but then ultimately fell away because of that Europa League disappointment. That That's where the most stringent of, say, Arteta in, which I hate using these labels, but just for the sake of, of, of that label, the most stringent of defenders of Arteta, of which I have certainly been in that court of, as you know, fall, the, the argument falls down to pure faith and hope because of the lack of uh, of the experience, the lack of the evidence to suggest. So, we will move so forward. let me ask you that I don't. There's someone in chat who thinks I'm a passion merchant, and <laughs> my um, my thoughts are not very well thought out with any logic. Uh, excuse me, isn't being a football fan about being passionate? Mm. Look, I don't profess to be a tactical genius. I'm not. But I say what I see. And I've been watching Arsenal for a very, very long time. And for me, I sit and I say to myself, okay, I put my Arteta hat on and I think, okay, when Tuchel, Tuchel's journey as a manager, Klopp's journey as a manager, Mm. even... Pep's Antonio Conte, Diego Simeone, heck, you know, even Frank Lampard, who came back as an ex-player, more legendary than Arteta, but failed. Yet he got Chelsea into the Champions League spot and he managed Chelsea, you know, without having any ability to make transfers at that time. Mm. But it didn't work out for him in the end. So I say to myself, okay, if Arsenal have all of the resources and tools and all the players in position that we want, Mm. is Arteta going to be that manager? Does, is he managing based on sometimes he's square pegs, round holes, i.e. playing Jacker at left back in a Europa league semi-final against a manager he replaced and failed miserably. Right. Mm. That, that was to me very glaring of his stubbornness, but with the right players, if he's got a top, top shelf striker, who Aubameyang is, but he can't score. You know, if he's got a partner for Thomas Partey, who's going to be reliable, and is Thomas Partey that guy? He's got his defence in place. Is he going to be that manager, Tom? Mm. Do do you see things in him as a coach, tactically, where in a game he makes makes changes, he tinkers things? Mm. He's definitely a thinker. Yeah. And... And I just, I I think he made the change in midfield soon enough with Sambi. I thought that was a, a form of protection, like Kev said on our show, for sure. But mm. then afterwards, when you're losing the way you are, why not throw on Martinelli? Why not give him a chance? What do you have to lose? 
The, I mean, the Martinelli thing is something I've, I've written about and I've been critical about. I think he, he's mismanaging Martinelli. I don't think Martinelli deserves to be starting, um, but I don't see the point in throwing on for one minute at the end of a game. Like, give him 10, give him 15 here mm. and there in fixtures. What Like, the idea of the criticism that you got there about logical thinking, I don't think there's anything illogical about your argument that Arsenal shouldn't fold like a deck chair to 4-0 at Anfield in based on how we played in those first 35-40 minutes. Yes, mm-hmm. Liverpool have battered teams this season, but we have shown in those 10 games that we had prior to this game against Liverpool that we have improved defensively, that we have improved in, in specific positions through Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe's improvement, through individuals' improvement, like Nuno Tavares is coming and improved, Sambi Lukonga is improved. And so therefore, that work that Arteta has done it's a concern that we did fold the way that we did. I put it a lot down to the immaturity of the side and in the experience of the players. But still, based upon those 10 games, you have, it is not illogical to suggest that we shouldn't have folded quite like we did in right. those games. And that is still a concern and a valid one at that jo- as well. Josh, uh, um, Tom, I... Yeah. I Josh feel- Conkey, what? You gave me, I don't, no, I don't I like him, do I? Josh, no, no, not at all. Um <laughs> I think, too, that our younger players more than some of our senior players have maturity, but I think what hurt us was naivety. There's a big difference. And there's naivety in these younger players, and that's very different to maturity because I think Ramsdale's so mature for his age. I think Ben White is. I think Nuno is. I think Sambi is. You're not Anderlecht captain at 21 years old made by Vincent Company if you don't have the right tools as a player to be a leader, you know, to, mm. to manage a legendary team like that in that league. So, I, and I think when you have a manager who still is learning at the very top of his game, there's a big difference between a number two um, to Pep Guardiola and managing Arsenal Football Club. And so I think there was a naivety to us in the second half. Mm. Which, oh, there you go. And which Robots Will Eat You has just agreed with you with, that there was a naivety. Wow. And that's the point that, that you're raising. Yes. So, yeah. Because, you know, I think that we have great talent. I think we've got some missing pieces still and we've got a long way to go. But when you see the maturation of Arteta this season so far as a manager, mm. you see the maturation of our players. Unfortunately, sometimes when you play a team like Liverpool, you think you can go gung-ho with them and you can't. And that naivety sets in. And before, you know, it's too late to even be able to kind of catch up. So that's the part for me Mm. with Liverpool that I thought I wouldn't see that so glaringly. Mm. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, I... I expected us to, as I said, I predicted a 3-1 win for Liverpool. I didn't expect us to win this game. But I think it is completely fair to raise the point that we shouldn't have folded like we did. And it is a concern that that happened. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I think there are explanations for it. And I raised the point that these are young kids. And that is one of the big reasons. But it doesn't excuse it. And I think there's a difference between providing a reason for why something happened and also coming from the perspective of appreciating that there is still concern there. You can't right. just... I can't sit there and go, they're young kids. This could happen. It did happen and be like, okay. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I've still got to go, they're young kids. This happened. Now I'm not just going to not react to that. You've got to learn from these things. Otherwise it will happen again. So then in a year's time, when we go to Anfield again, 
with mm-hmm. you know probably a group that's quite similar. I only expect a couple of major starting eleven additions to be made in in the summer or in January. I only expect one or two changes to happen to that first team, probably in midfield and striker. By the time we travel to Landfield again in the league, that we'll still have a lot of young players. Some of them will be a year older. Well, all of them will be a year older, of course. That's how time works. Um, but <laughs> but. Some will be 24, some will be 23 rather than 23 and 22, which is, there is a bit of a difference between those numbers. And it is significant when you become, you, you think about it, a 23-year-old, you'd say is quite a young footballer. You turn 24 like Kieran Tierney has, and all of a sudden you're perceived as kind of a player with a lot more experience despite only being a year older. Right. But the point is, is that I have more confidence, but at the same time, it can't be that you just excuse it and you go, well, they're kids and we're going to go to Anfield next season, and they're still going to be kids, so we could lose 4-0. No, I don't want that, because that's not progression. Progression is looking at the mistakes that we made, why we conceded all those goals, and yes, it'll be looking and going, you're young, you're making mistakes, but let's look at those mistakes, address those, so that when we go to Anfield again, we don't fold like a deck chair like we did on Saturday. Exactly. And and it it could have been a lot worse, but for Ramsdale's heroics, Mm. and... I just am at that point where I don't want to accept those kinds of losses in that manner. If we'd lost 4-0, but we really had more of a an engagement or an involvement in the game or in the second half, you know, we, we gave it a little bit more, it would be different. So now let's see, what will we do against Newcastle? Can't afford to lose there, right? And you can't afford to lose to this very poor Manchester United team. You've got Everton coming up, we've got Norwich, we've got Wolves in December, we've got a quarterfinal of the EFL Cup as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how the team bounces back. And I think it's lucky that the Newcastle game is sandwiched in between the Manchester United game Mm. because that new manager or manager goes out bounce, um, I think will happen where United are, are, are concerned, especially against us. It's interesting people talking about kind of the progression. I'm just having a discussion in the chat as well about this kind of like we progressed because we we were stayed in the game for so long. Actually, arguably, last season at Anfield, we were in the game for longer. We were behind for a longer period of the match, but actually we remained competitive for a lot more of the game at Anfield last season with, you know, worse players. So there's you, there's the argument to say that we've progressed at Anfield doesn't stack up because actually if you're going to go by a game by game basis which I'm never a fan of we've actually regressed in that sense but it was an argument that was put forward and certainly want to react to it what I want to do is look for because it's important um, Newcastle and Manchester United coming next that for me the Newcastle game in particular tells me more about this team than the Liverpool game does for me because this is the first time that this specific group that was built after the Manchester City defeats and deadline day and, and Ramsdale coming in, etc. This is the first time that they've been humbled. This is the first time that they've had their confidence knocked on this 10-game run. That Newcastle game is going to tell us a lot. And one of the big concerns I have is that Newcastle scored more goals than us this season and sit bottom of the table. And to win games, we've got to score. And we've got to score a hell of a lot more than we are right now. Granted, it's not a high-scoring season. Wolves had scored less than us and sit in sixth. Spurs have scored less than us and sit in seventh. And they're still you know, relatively higher positions in the table. But we do need to address this. What do you think is the issue right now that's causing this problem? And does that concern you going into Newcastle? It, it, it does because, for example, in the Liverpool game, did we need a ball carrier or did we need more of a ball holder? someone who can control the Mm. tempo more, someone who's able to at least sustain possession for even if it's just a few seconds more, right? So this is where 
I understand Arteta always wanting to play Mill Smith Rowe and Saka. They've been some they've been out two of our best players, but they're also exhausted. You could see that in in parts of this game, especially with uh, Bukayo. His form for England's very different to his form with Arsenal, even though as he as he plays when he's not got the ball, he still is able to affect the game and we've we've seen that. But I think Udegaard would have been a good choice mm-hmm. coming on much earlier to be able to try and help maybe retain yeah. some of that some of that possession. So he's in my team for the game. I wanted he, him over Lacazette. He, so. I mean, he and yeah. I love. I think Lacazette's been great, and you know, I'm a mm. supporter of Lacazette. Um, mm. But this is the naivety sometimes I I suggest with Mikel Arteta. So going into Newcastle, who are. Uh, a very weak team, but yet they're fighting for their lives. New owners, new manager, another bounce perhaps, got a really solid draw um, at the weekend, not playing well, rooted at the bottom of the league now. Norwich have been able to... They're going to be fighting. They're going to be fighting tooth and nail for their Premier League status. This is a must-win game for us. There's no excuses here. You've got to beat Newcastle. I don't want to hear, oh, but we're progressing or we're doing this. No, you've got to you've got to beat this Newcastle team. And I think it's a team that before we were saying, okay, the we've always wanted the Arsenal to have an easy eleven to pick. The team mm. picks itself. And that's what we've been rolling on since before the international break. Well, now does it pick itself? Is he gonna keep faith with Nuno? Is it going to dent his confidence if he benches him and brings Tierney back, knowing the mistakes he made against Liverpool? Is he going to allow him to work through that a little bit, especially against a team like Newcastle, and say, okay, in the second half, around 60 minutes, I'll bring Tierney on? Do I need to rush Tierney back when I'm going to really need him in the coming weeks? Does Lacazette start again? Does Abamyang even start? Do I rest Saka in a Smith row against Newcastle? to make sure they're back for those December games? Mm. Do I play Martinelli on the left and give him a chance? This is where he earns his crust as manager. This is this is going to be a lot of what he does, Tom, in terms of whether or not we succeed. At the end of the day, yes, Kev will always say, you've got to cry, cross those white lines and it's the players. But mm. I do think this is a game where we're going to see his management skills. How's he going to manage the team he picks and how we approach this game against the team that we should be getting three points. I think that he goes into this game and he's got to show something different to what we've seen over the last 11 fixtures. I think you have to go into this game against bottom of the table Newcastle at home and dominate it. You have to, this is a game where the he has to galvanise these players and he has to give them an incentive to really, you know, react to not only the Liverpool defeat, but also to the doubters that are, you know, like both of us, we have doubts um, about this team, about this manager, about this group, about these players. We have doubts that where we are right now, which I'm really happy about being three points off top four. I'm, I'm ecstatic about that because I never thought we were going to be here mm-hmm. at 11 or 12 games into the season. But we have to maintain that now. And a game against Newcastle at home after losing 4 0 is a huge, huge measuring stick. Because we can all look at an individual fixture on its own merit and say, Newcastle at home have to win that. But when you apply the context of we've just been battered 4-0, Newcastle have just changed their manager, that changes the entire landscape of this fixture. It changes it on its own to going from a game where you'd expect to win to there suddenly being a lot of challenges that we've got overcome that weren't initially there a week ago or two weeks ago in the case of Newcastle's management. So... 
I want to see a performance that is different, obviously, to what we saw at Liverpool, and it should be because we're playing a side mm-hmm. that we should be able to dominate a lot more. I want to see a team that wants to react, that's been, you know, really got into by the coaches over the last week and they've worked on a lot of the issues that we faced. And specifically in the attacking thirds, I want to see us creating a lot more big chances because right. that's the biggest issue for us right now. And I think, as you pointed out, Erdogan coming back into the team is going to be part of that because he's one of our most creative players. I mean, even when he came off the bench against Leicester, he was putting great passes into the box of Bakaya Saka in those last few minutes. And it's not something that a lot of people picked up on. And I think he's, he himself has faced so much stick this season. I don't know if you've noticed this online, uh, but a so lot of people un- have really unfair. bad at him. It's unfair. Yeah. I mean, the, the the guy's played, but he's not really been able to ingrain himself in the team the way mm. we want. And also, I think there's a case of that naivety with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and Arteta has it a bit too. Uh, Solskjaer thought he could ride, ride this wave with United. I'll just listen. If we're playing against X, and they're they're gonna they're gonna it's all about ball possession, and they're gonna come at us. I'll just I'll just put five defenders at the back or I'll put four five midfielders in he he tried to combat it by playing battleships almost and football just doesn't work that way and I think that you get stuck on a team and as much as I've wanted Arsenal to have a best 11 which I think we've we're kind of there or thereabouts based on the the current pool of talent we have this is where the manager has to start thinking I just can't throw out the same team maybe in this game I've got to I've got to think a little bit differently. And that's for me where I want to see the maturation of Arteta in particular. I think losing to Liverpool, okay, that's expected. But losing to Newcastle or not beating Newcastle, for me, that's four steps back, five steps back. Because I think that's a game that we should be winning without doubt with where we're at right now in terms of the plays we have versus they have. So that that's the difference for me. I think you know, in the Arsenal universe, it would be a massive disappointment to lose that game. I don't think there's any excuses to to make on that one. No, there isn't. If we lose this game, and even I applied the context of we've just been bad 4-0 and they've changed their coach, even with that context, we have to win this game. And Mm -hmm. anything other than a win is going to be massively damaging to the momentum to the 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 fan kind of perception of things at the moment i mean the i the the level of drop in optimism after the liverpool game is is was massive like i know mm-hmm. it just from from the perspective of of coming from like a writer's perspective and then the content creators i'm sure you have as well but the drop off in interest around arsenal since that liverpool defeat has been huge um and, and that i think is certainly something that we have to look at um as another reason why it's so important to win this game to rebuild up that momentum rebuild that enthusiasm and excitement about the season because it is this is the chance to be an exciting season we know for me at the start of the season my expectation is top six it was top six or he has to go there isn't a shadow of a doubt oh, we've, he... we've got to get back into europe tom yeah we can't afford look at the dna of look we got we've gotten lucky mm-hmm. it's a risk right transfers are a risk but it's worked out so far with tomiyasu with ben white with uh, Nuno with Sambi, but we also know that if we're in Europe, look, we attracted Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, Gabriel, Thomas Partey with Europa League football, a vehicle to get back into Champions League football. We have to be in Europe if we want to attract 
the similar player that Adu said in his interview that we now need to support our younger players with more world-class players. You can only do that if you have European football. And yeah. I think that so far there's a, a, a you can see where, where what the process is, but over a 38-game period, Tom, things creep in and where the issues are are under a spotlight and magnified so much more because you can't hide them over a period of time. In a cup game, you can go in, do the business, get in and get out. In the Premier mm. League, you get found out a little bit more. And without some of those additional players, without, I don't know, I mean, our goal scoring is awful. You mentioned it before. Newcastle have scored more goals than we have, I think, in the last 14 games. These yeah. are really big issues for us. When we've shored up the defence, the fact that we're still impotent going forward in many ways is really um, a, a problem. And is mm. he going to have the balls to drop a Bamiyang and, and give Martinelli a chance? Would you then? Because or- I, I wouldn't drop a Bamiyang still. I don't think Aubameyang is the problem. I don't look at Aubameyang as the problem. But what right does now. he offer the team when we play like I, this? And I, well, the thing is, is that's the issue. I think that the problem is, is looking at Aubameyang and going, "Oh, we need to change him because he's not what we need." I actually look at, and I was chatting to David Hughes, who's one of the, he's a new, coming from a neutral perspective as an Everton fan, and he's the scouting writer at Reach, and he says, "You look at the way Arsenal play." They've got a world-class finisher in Aubameyang and they're not playing to his strengths. They've got Saka, who's a really good creator. They've got Smith-Rowe, who's a goal-scoring midfielder that can create in himself. They've got Erdogan on the bench as a brilliant creator. The structure is what needs to change so that Arsenal are creating chances for that world-class finisher that they have, not trying to shoehorn or put in a striker that's going to drop deep. Because if you look at all the best teams... Their strikers aren't the ones that are known for dropping deep and stuff like that. Lukaku is good at that, but he's still a absolutely lethal finisher. You look at the goal that he scored against Arsenal. That was from a really good chance created where the ball came across the box and he was able to score. Arsenal need to change the way they create, not find a player that suits a way of linking up. I, I agree with you completely. And there's mm. moments where you see a Bamiyang and he's running into spaces and he's not getting the ball or he has to, you got to play like a Bamiyang and he has to track back and be like a defender for 45, 50 minutes in a game. That's exactly what you don't need either. And also one of the areas, and as much as I love Thomas party and this, I kind of get up off my seat a little, and then I'm like, oh. mm. it's like, it's, it's kind of like that with him. Our midfield, my personal opinion is our midfield cost us Nuno's mistakes, yes, but our midfield against Liverpool was like they shrunk. You know, we were invisible. But yet against a team like Tottenham, how do you explain it, Tom? How do we become this fiery half hour, absolutely blitz them, nailed them to the wall? The game was over within 30, 35 minutes, Arsenal. Same thing with Leicester, right? And I'm not saying we're going to play that gung-ho against Liverpool, but I'm, I'm asking how is it we can do that, put Aubameyang and more creativity into, into play versus when we see the old school reverting back to kind of not creating chances, not giving them the ability to, to have any opportunities, which is our Achilles heel and has been for a while. How do you explain that? I, I don't I, – honestly, I, I don't really know because – Look, the quality in this team is there. Like that, you can't sit there and say we don't have a quality team, do we? Really? I I can completely agree with you. Absolutely. 
What would you say the team ranks in the Premier League in terms of quality? I think we're definitely in the top eight. And I think now I think when fifth, you when you honest. look at when you look at kind of how Everton have failed, the teams that became mm. our competitors last season, like the Leeds, the Wolves, the Everton's, you know, the Tottenham's, etc., we're a better team than Tottenham right now. I don't care yeah. who their manager is. We're 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 definitely better than them. But I think at least top top six right now as we sit. Mm. That's what I'm saying. I think we, for my money, we had the fifth best squads in the league. United, Liverpool, uh, City, and Chelsea have better squads than we do. We have a better squad than Leicester. I think you look at how they're doing this season. They've got some great individuals, but I think as a squad, I think that they've been overperforming under Brendan Rodgers, which is why they're struggling this season. Better squad than Everton, better squad than Spurs, better squad than Villa, who've been building a decent size squad over the last years, but they're struggling. We have a better squad than Wolves, who currently sit sixth. Like, we have the fifth best squad in this league. And so that's why, in my mind, if we were to finish outside the top six, there is no argument for him to stay. Um, you could talk about the, the the need to build, the need to give them time, but three seasons, three season finishes outside the top six, there is not enough tangible evidence there to say that you can then push forwards. Mm-hmm. If we, as I've said, I think top four at the start of the season was unrealistic because, as I said, we have the fifth best squad in the league. It would have been an overachievement for us to get into the top four this season. Mm-hmm. And we have to try and close their gap. And to be honest, with how those 14 spend and already the gap they've opened up to us with their squad size and their squad quality, we're going to have to find other ways to close it. And one of those is going to be luck and Man United being awful, which we've had so far this season. Mm-hmm. But Liverpool, Chelsea and City in particular are always going to be really good. And to close that gap, we're going to have to build over a long period of time. And it may not be with Mikel Arteta. And that's okay. Uh, And people, I think, need to understand that there is going to be a time when Arteta isn't at the club. And then there is going to be a time when the next manager isn't at the club. We've been ingrained in this kind of Arsene Wenger 22-year marriage that it's very hard to move to a different kind of situation, isn't it? It is. And, I mean, look, I mentioned Lampard at... Bigger legend. Lampard and Solskjaer are legends at their club. Arteta wasn't a legend mm. at Arsenal. Okay. Mm. He was a very neat player who was a very respectable captain, lifted the FA Cup, did nice things for us over a period of a few seasons. Well, you're talking about United letting a legend go and Chelsea letting a legend go. And there's reasons behind those decisions. In the end, it was too much for Solskjaer and Lampard, mm. I think you know, was not getting the best out of... He was naive at the back and we all know why he lost his job. So we have different owners, though. Now, you could say the United owners held on to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer far too long. Roman Abramovich is ruthless. We know this. Mm. But don't tell me that, you know, if things aren't going well, there's not a manager out there who can do better. You've seen the examples of that in football. And, and to not finish in a European spot... I think warrants Arteta's job um, to be on the line a hundred percent. You, we have to be in Europe, whether it's Europa League, not the Europa Conference, but we have to be. We have not to be the in Europa Europe. That's not Europe. You can't be finishing eighth again. You just can't. That's not progress, and that's not a progress of the process, is it? I think. I think that's mm. a fair, a fair assessment to make. 
in my mind, look, I, the club made a mistake when they made Mikel Arteta manager. That's that's always going to be there. He should have remained head coach and focus on that role because as soon as he became equal to Edu, I think that was that was a mistake. Edu, I have a lot more faith in Edu. I like Edu. I think he's got some really good ideas. I like the business that he's done. He's not perfect. He needs to improve the sales side of this of, of his job absolutely. But I think he gets it. I think he, he I think his idea about where the club needs to go is right. I think you do need to be talking about bringing through young players, adding younger quality and then bringing in world-class talent to blend those two together to make a sustainable system with what we've got. It's, and I was always concerned that he didn't have a manager good enough to kind of execute his his ideas and his plan. I'm hoping that Arteta proves that to be wrong and that he does indeed execute this plan, but we will only know that at the end of the season. To finish off, Sophie... Um, Obviously, it's been a while since we spoke on one-on-one. And last time we spoke, obviously, the, the confidence around Arteta was very different. So just round off the show by kind of telling me where you are at with Arteta and what kind of needs to happen for you to sit there and, and say, and hold your hands up, like I'm very much always open to doing and say, look, he is the right man for the job. Um. Well, this is such a prickly thing because on, mm. on the show on Monday, this is why I, I did the... Is it... out with the L-Y. <laughs> I was like, is it okay to criticize Arteta or on a game-by-game basis, just saying what you see without being labeled as an Arteta out person or a negative Mm. person, okay? I'm so tired of that Mm. whole debate. Yep. Like, just stop the madness. It won't. (laughs) And it it won't. I know it won't. And everyone keeps saying, well, when he has this, when Mm. he has that, when we get this, okay, you got mm. Ramsdale, you mm. got Ben White, mm. you got Tomiyasu, you got Sambi, you got Nuno. And there's a few that came before him too. Mm, the, one, the one position, and you could say, you know what? If Aubameyang's not scoring goals and Lacazette isn't, unfortunately, Martinelli and Balogun, Tom, have been painted with the Brentford brush. <laughs> Ever since yeah. that game, the two of them have not had a sniff, especially Martinelli. And I think it's very unfair for us all to look at that and say, well, it wasn't the team. It wasn't the right players. It wasn't his squad. Okay, so why are we then, it looks like, punishing Balogun and Martinelli and not giving them a chance when we can't even get, we can't find the goal with a map and a compass, right? (laughs) So these are the things where I want to see him have a bit more balls and play it less safe because you know what? We have nothing to lose. If we lose, people will be like, oh, it's Arsenal. But if we yeah. lose in trying to evolve as a team and as a group and try, I think that's the really a really big difference. There's an improvement because of the plays he has around him, but there's an improvement in the players as well because I think he's definitely eaten a little bit of humble pie himself. But this is the time now. The, this is going to be the proof will be in the in the in the end of season pudding. I just don't think he should keep his job if he doesn't get us back into Europe. And if he wins a domestic trophy, then that becomes the argument again of does he keep his job? Well, Roberto Di Matteo won the Champions League for Chelsea, lost his job. Ancelotti won the double, lost his job. You know, Louis van Gaal won the FA Cup for United, lost his job. Um, There are a lot of managers who win trophies and lose their job. Arsenal Football Club's job is to become more competitive in the Premier League again. Mm. And that has to be the most important project for our for a do for Arteta for the club 
And if they can't do that by the end of the season, we've got to move on. And I don't want to hear this, well, when another guy comes in, it starts all over again. That's football. That's how it works. Mm. Yeah. Sophie, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Really appreciate your time. As always, tell people where they can find you. Thank you for having me. I'm at Soccer Diva on Twitter and at Highbury Squad on Twitter and YouTube. Check our stuff out with Super Kevin Campbell. Um, we have a lot of diverse content, so give us a shot. And thank you Absolutely. for having me, Tom. And keep fighting the good fight and uh, <laughs> stay the course. Cheers, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, obviously check out Sophie's stuff. I've been on there, and I'm sure if I'm if I behave well, I'll be allowed back again at some point. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I look forward to that. And uh, yeah, do check out the Hybrid Squad link to the channel. Will of course be in today's description. We will see you tomorrow morning at eight a.m. Probably didn't get through many of your questions at all, but there is of course always the daily Q and A at eight a.m. So do join us for that. Uh, and plenty more content coming up throughout the week. We'll have a preview show tomorrow as well ahead of the Newcastle game and uh, and a reaction show to newcastle which is the first time in a long time i've been able to do that so i look forward to giving you that over on saturday too see you soon subscribe like and all that fun stuff but as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a mcnuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.